Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for the victory that is in Jesus. And our hearts visualize what a joy and victory it would be if everyone within the sound of our voice, within the sound of this message and song, would claim the blood. Those who are lost claim the blood of Jesus to cleanse from sin. And those who are saved confess our sins before Thee, knowing that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Give victory in Jesus' name, amen. Would you be seated, please? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. And while you have your Bible open to Joshua, I want to also call your attention to one verse in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, this one verse, you know that's the faith chapter, and over and over again, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith Abel, by faith Moses, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, and on and on and on. 18 examples of faith, men of faith in that chapter. But in verse 30, he doesn't even mention the man's name, but everybody knows who he's talking about. He says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about for seven days. That is a reference to Joshua. We're in a pilgrimage through the great men of the Old Testament, and the great personalities of the Old Testament. And we come today to the study of Joshua and the title of the message Joshua, the price of victory ahead. Joshua, the price of victory ahead. In Joshua chapter 1, I want to read the first nine verses. Joshua 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from, from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. <clears throat> this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture. And if you have a red pencil or a gold pencil or a pen, you ought to mark those strong words of courage and strength that are repeated over and over again in those nine verses. God says, uh, Joshua, I'm going to use you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you but you must be strong, you must be courageous, you must not fear in the face of fear, only be strong, be very courageous. Did you hear me? Be strong, be very courageous. And several times those words are given as a commission, a reminder to Joshua. Now, as we think about Joshua, and the price of victory ahead. I want to call several things to our attention this morning. First of all, in the study of the book of Joshua, as well as in the study of the book of books of the law by Moses, we'll notice some types. And we cannot really comprehend the Scripture if we don't understand that many of the things that occur here are types. As a matter of fact, we're told in the New Testament all of these things are examples. They're a foreshadow of better things to come. And so when we read these various truths, we're not to read them simply as history. We're to read them as types that occur in the Christian life. Now, when we, when we study George Washington, and we know that he crossed a certain river in the middle of the winter, and his soldiers were nearly barefoot and they didn't have enough clothes and he knelt down and prayed in the snow. That's part of history. It always inspires me. It, it, it just gives me goose pimples to study about George Washington. When I was in Washington, I enjoyed going way up in the Washington Monument and uh, thinking of that great father of our country. And there are many spiritual truths that come from the study of that man. But largely what we remember when we study history about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, we remember these as epic, epics in our historical background. And we're grateful. And occasionally we'll say, well, Abraham Lincoln could do this, I guess I can. George Washington could do this, I guess I can. And so on. But we don't usually think of them as types. But when we study the Bible, when we study Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and Joshua, and Judges, and so on, we're not just simply studying history. We're studying spiritual history that is written for our edification for 1983. It is written for our edification as we apply these spiritual types to situations that exist today. For example, when the children of Israel were in the land of bondage in Egypt, Egypt was a type of our lives before we meet Christ, a type of the bondage in trespasses and sins. 
And when Moses led the people of God up out of the land of bondage, you remember he did it the night of the Passover lamb. And there was the shedding of the blood. And the only way we can go from the, from the death and trespasses and sins out into the walk with Christ and with God and call ourselves God's people is through the blood. Through the blood. The Red Sea. When the children of Israel crossed that Red Sea, you might equate that as a type of the separation from the old life into a new life of walk with Christ. The wilderness wanderings remind us that there will be a lot of trials and troubles along the way. When I realized I had found the Lord, I was so glad, for I thought all my troubles would be o'er. But then I discovered that trials were just beginning. After you become a Christian, there are going to be some wilderness wanderings. There will be some tough times. There will be some troubled times. And then they got to the edge of the Jordan River. And God commanded Joshua to take charge. He became the new captain of the Lord's hosts. And they crossed the Jordan River on dry land, symbolizing the crossing into victory, the victorious life. And the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan itself, and incidentally the study of Joshua is the study of the taking over of the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan was the land of the seven enemies of God. We read in Joshua chapter 23 that in that land, chapter 24 rather, that in that land were the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, the seven enemies of God. And the cup of their indignation was full and God was ready to bring judgment upon them. And he used Joshua and the, cap and the armies of God to bring that judgment. And the only way there could be the settlement in that land of Canaan calling it now the land of Israel, calling it the land of promise, in the land of rest, there had to be the fight with those enemies of God. And those enemies of God might be symbolized today by pride, lust, ingratitude, discouragement, laziness, avarice, mediocrity. Those are enemies of our best selves. Now, I want to give you nine statements about Joshua and then give you three reasons or three ingredients of his life that paid the price or paved the way for the price of victory. Number one, Joshua was the son of Nun, N-U-N. He was the, of the tribe of Ephraim. That's all we know about him. We don't even know who his mother was. We know very little about Joshua. Number two, he was first mentioned at the battle with Amalek where he led the forces of Israel for Moses in Exodus 17. Number three, Joshua became the servant of Moses, accompanying him part of the way up Mount Sinai when the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments were given. Number four, Joshua was with Caleb and was sent as one of the 12 spies into the land of Canaan to see if Israel could go into that land and possess it. And Joshua and Caleb came out giving a victorious report. We're well able to do it. That's God's land. God has told us to go in and let's do it. 
but they listened to the minority or to the majority report and the 10 other spies said we can't do it in there there are giants in the land and we're just like grasshoppers before them but notice that Joshua was a man of faith fifthly he was divinely appointed and ordained as the successor of Moses in numbers 27 number 6 Moses gave him a solemn charge before all Israel in Deuteronomy 31. And part of that famous passage that says, their rock is not as our rock, is part of Moses' farewell address to the people of Israel, but it was also his charge to Joshua, reminding Joshua that the rock of the world, that the foundation that they're built upon is nothing compared to the rock that we're standing on. Number seven, after the death of Moses, he is divinely installed as the leader in Joshua 1. In number 8, he followed the leadership of God in conquering the land of Canaan. And number 9, at the beginning of his work, God gave three supernatural events. At the beginning of his work, and let me repeat it again, at the beginning of his work, three supernatural events that indicated the Lord was with him. Number 1, the river Jordan divided and they crossed the land on dry on the cross the river on dry land number two the angel of God appeared to Joshua outside the walls of Jericho and gave him the plan of attack and number three the walls of Jericho fell down flat without the firing of a shot this is marvelous in our eyes it's the Lord's doing now with that in the background and those statements about Joshua and reminding ourselves that God gave Joshua three supernatural events to begin his ministry, but his whole ministry was not a one of supernatural events. We need to remember that. And that's true in our own walk with Christ. Supernaturally, we were born into the family of God. We did nothing to get ourselves saved. You didn't save yourself. The preacher didn't save you. The church didn't save you. The Holy Spirit moved into your life and drew you with the bands of God's love and made you aware of your need of Christ. And then the Holy Spirit, as you opened the door of faith and you laid hold on those promises of God, the Holy Spirit immersed you into the body of Christ and you are God's child by supernatural origin. And beloved, if that hasn't happened to you, you're not God's. You're not God's child. If all you did is join the church one day, or if when somebody says, when will you say? Well, you say, well, I was baptized at such and such a date. That's all very good, but that's not salvation. Salvation is the supernatural moving into your heart of God's Holy Spirit in conviction, reminding you, you need something you don't have. Knocking quietly on the door of your heart, sending somebody to you, reminding you from the promptings of the Word of God that you need Christ, and then quietly you open the doors of faith and you receive Jesus and he makes you his child not by something you did you didn't quit smoking to get saved you didn't quit drinking so you could be saved you didn't quit a thousand and one sins that made you saved now after you got saved maybe you realized that smoking and Jesus were not compatible Maybe you realize that drinking and Jesus were not compatible. 
Maybe you realize that all kinds of worldliness and Christ Jesus on the throne of your life don't go together, but it was the Holy Spirit that prompted you in that after you believed, after your salvation. Those things did not save you. Now, as we think of this, sometimes I think I'll get some implanted glasses behind my eyes so I won't have to carry these around. I have a problem. I can't see without them to read, and I can't see sometimes with them to see you. <laughs> well, anyway, for those of you who are listening by radio, I just dropped my glasses. God bless you. Now, back to Joshua. I want to give you three reasons, three reasons, and three uh, areas of his life that underscore the victories that were ahead. And I believe if we, can, if we can ask God to make these true in our lives, there'll be victory ahead in our lives. Number one, Joshua was a man of priorities. He was a man of priorities. He stayed with Moses. Now you read the book of Deuteronomy. Read the book of Exodus. Read the book of Numbers. And you will find that while other young men were out doing their thing, Joshua was by, the, by Moses. He was right there with Moses. It's interesting to study about Moses' own sons. They weren't there. Sometimes as I read that, I say, hey, where were you boys? You boys that had Moses as your daddy, where were you? They were out playing ball. And I'm not criticizing ball or they were down at the games, or they were over at fun and games, or they were over here at the, at the square dance, or they were over somewhere else. Joshua, where are you? I'm right there by the sun, by the side of, of God's leader. I'm right there. He had priorities. He stood with the man of God. And whatever the man of God did, he did. And if you read carefully, when Moses went up in Mount Sinai to get the law of God, Joshua went with him and nobody else could go. They just didn't, couldn't go. God said, don't let anybody touch the foot of this mountain. Uh, but Moses, you can bring Joshua with you. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because Joshua stayed with the man of God. Are you willing to pay that kind of price? Are you willing to put priorities, build priorities into your life so that you're right there where God is? Number two. Secondly, he stayed with the Word. He stayed with the Word of God. We get a hint of this in Joshua chapter 1 when, when God says again, Be strong, of good courage. Uh, Unto thee shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Only be thou strong, very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He stayed with the word. Do we stay with the Word of God? How, how important is the Word of God to us? I thank the Lord for a, a special training union leader when I was a junior boy. And they used to give out little Bible reading reminders, urging us all the time to read the Bible. I don't remember whether we had a whole lot of people or a few people. I don't remember that. I just remember that God spoke to me through it. 
And uh, she would say, this leader would say, now look, you put this Bible reading reminder in your Bible, and then when you get up in the morning, put your Bible on your pillow. Don't put it on the shelf. Don't put it on the floor. Put it on your pillow. And when you go to bed that night, you won't be able to go to bed without moving the Bible. And when you move the Bible, it will remind you to read it. And I got in the custom of reading the Bible every day by keeping my Bible on my pillow. Stay with the Word. Let me encourage you to read the Word. Hide the Word of God in your heart. Study the Word. God will bless you and use you. Somebody wrote on the flyleaf of the Bible, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. If you do not read the Bible daily, there's sin in your life. You may say, well, I'm not, I don't drink and I'm not an adulterer and I'm not this and I'm not that. Yeah, but you're too busy. You got the sin of TB. There's sin. God wants us to read the Word day by day by day. Let some other things go. I believe that a house ought to look nice, ladies, and you ought to wash the dishes and sweep the floors and get all that mess out of the floor. But if necessary, leave it, leave it there a little while while you read the Word. Read the Word of God. And thirdly, he stayed with the Lord. These were the priorities in Joshua's life. He stayed with Moses. He stayed with the Word. And thirdly, he stayed with the Lord. Other guys could be doing all kinds of things, but he said, I've got a priority. I've got a built-in priority. I want to ask you, do you have a priority in your life? What is it? Is it the theater? Is it the game? Is it having a big time? Is it your boyfriend or your girlfriend? What, are, what is the priority in your life? That's going to reveal whether there'll be victory or hit or not. There need to be some priorities in our lives. Moms and dads, what do you want from your children? Now we'll get down brass tacks with you. You won't like what I'm going to say, but I love you anyway. Thank you. What do you want from your children? Do you want a well-rounded education so that they dabble in every little old thing that comes along and they get a good cultural background? Is that what you want? Or do you want them to honor the Lord? And let the Lord add to them what they need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We tried to offer in this city a Christian education for those who want it in a school. I suppose there are some parents who say, well, uh, my, my kids can get better cultural things somewhere else and they can get more of something else somewhere else. I've observed that some of the graduates of our school have gone on to Western and they're not having any trouble in computer science and they're not having any trouble in such and such things because they've gotten some firm foundations in some other things. This is just uh, excess and you may not like it. God bless you anyway. I love you. Hope you love me. Now I want to say this, we've got to determine what our priorities are. What is our priority in life as a mother, as a daddy? What is our priority? Joshua stayed by the stuff.
Secondly, Joshua was a man of purpose. He was a man of purpose. He had a commitment to the will of God in our Sunday school this morning. Uh, in the auditorium class, Brother Don brought out the idea of how to find the will of God. And he opened to us again, Romans chapter 12, 1, two, 1 and 2. If you really want to know the will of God, there are three clear statements in that chapter, that verse, those two verses that will help you find the will of God. First, present your body a living sacrifice. Number two, be not conformed to this world. Stop masquerading as a worldly. Number three, number three, let your mind be renewed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will renew your mind. He'll, he'll change your thinking. He'll change your thought process. And He'll usher you into the pew of the will of God, into the aisle of the will of God, into the mainstream of the will of God. And Joshua had a commitment to the will of God. Secondly, he called the people to consecration. Joshua was not afraid in his purpose of life. He found the purpose. He found something real. And he was not afraid to share it with others and say, here, here's the way we're going to stand. God being my help, we're going to stand right here and I want you to stand with me. And he said that. Listen, in Joshua chapter 3, he said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I know some people who live godly lives, holy lives, and they think that's just a personal matter. We won't spread that to anybody else. We won't say a word about it to anyone else. We'll just sort of do it ourselves. Listen, the unsaved world is not sharp enough to catch on to that. God gave us some lips and a tongue to tell others. And Joshua spent his whole lifetime conveying that message to others. That's the reason there could be victory ahead. God wants us, we are our brother's keeper. We are our neighbor's keeper. That doesn't mean we need to gossip about them. One of the meanest, lowest, ugliest things that can occur in a believer's life is gossip. You find out some juicy piece of information and you think nobody knows it and then all of a sudden when there are people around, you just open up your mouth and out comes all that juice. And you know what it is? It's like spreading tobacco juice on somebody. You ever been spit on by, with tobacco juice? First of all, it, it makes you upset. And secondly, it's so vulgar and ugly. And, secondly, and thirdly, it stings. If you get it on a little sore, it stings. That's what some people do. Now, God doesn't want us doing that. He wants us to be so possessed by His Spirit that as we have a purpose for life, that purpose is to find the will of God, serve the will of God, and then find others and help them get in the mainstream of the will of God. Thirdly, He cemented His commitment with faith in the face of failure. I like that. He cemented his commitment with, fear, with faith in the face of failure. There's not, there are not very many people who haven't failed somewhere along the road. I'm speaking to people in this room this morning. I suppose some by radio who have had some failures in your life. Joshua did too. Moses did too. Peter did too. Everybody that I know of who's ever mounted a hill of beans had some times of failure in their life. And Joshua faced that, and it didn't throw him. 
I mentioned this to you the other night. In baseball, a man fails seven times out of ten. What do we call him? Do we call him a loser? Hardly. He's hitting 300. He's known as a superstar. Even though 70% of the time he doesn't make it. Babe Ruth had 714 home runs. And everybody said, man, he's something. He was the first one placed in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Did you know he also held the record for strikeouts? He struck out 1,330 times. Nobody remembers that. He failed. But he didn't live under that failure. Neither do we have to live under failure. Peter failed, but Jesus picked him up. John Wesley failed in Georgia, and on the way back he met some Moravians, and in his heart he cried, who will convert me? I've tried to convert those pagans in Georgia. Who will convert me? And John Wesley, after he had been a missionary, got saved. His life changed. The whistler set out to be a soldier. He entered West Point. In the, he failed chemistry. And they kicked him out. And then he turned to art. How many art lovers are there today who are glad he failed because of the Whistler as the great artist? Pasteur set out to keep wine from turning sour. He failed. Instead, he developed pasteurization. Abraham Lincoln at 46 considered himself a hopeless failure in law practice. So he turned his eyes toward the White House and look how God used him. Many think Paul started to Spain and he only got to Rome. But oh, from that Roman prison, he wrote Philippians and Colossians and Philemon and the others. Ephesians and so on. Dr. J. Wallace Hamilton told of two jilted lovers in Nashville. Both failed in their efforts to win the girl that they loved, the girl of their dreams. One of them left a note and jumped off the bridge, ending it all. The other sat down and poured his heartbreak into a song and sold a million copies. John Mark failed. He quit. Barnabas took him. At the end of Paul's ministry, he said, bring John Mark. He's profitable to me for the ministry. Edison was fired from his job of selling newspapers. <laughs> you know why? He spilled acid in the baggage room and started a fire. Aren't we glad he failed? He went on to develop all that makes life so much so helpful to us today in electricity. Look at Jesus. John 6, 66 says, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. He was a failure. They crucified him. All of his disciples ran away except John. 
some of the women. Nobody was there. Three days later, he came out of the grave. And today, there are millions of Christians all over the world who worship Jesus and are on our way to heaven because Jesus, God's only son, was willing to pay the price. I'm not trying to humanize him. I'm simply trying to point out that Joshua, in the face of failure, in the face of tragedy, in the face of hurts, in the face of all kinds of trials, he cemented his commitment with faith. And we read that he was a man of faith. What's the difference in somebody who quits and somebody who goes on? It has nothing to do with the hurdles they face. It has nothing to do with the oppression or depressions they have. It has nothing to do with their friends or enemies. It has everything to do with faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My friend, if we get this debt paid off, it's not going to be because we have wealthy people. It's not going to be because we have millionaires. We don't have any. It will be because of somebody here and here and here and here sacrificed sacrificed and quit some things and said, I'm going to put my money on the line for my Lord's church. And by faith, there'll be victory ahead. And if there's failure, it won't be God's fault and it won't be because there wasn't enough money, it's because there's not enough faith. Let's be men and women and young people and teenagers and kids of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Sixteen years ago today, one of our precious young men drowned. His mother and daddy could have thrown in the towel and quit it all and said, we're just through. God, we thought you gave us that boy. We're just, if you're going to be like that, we won't serve you anymore. But they're here today, and they keep on going for God. If you quit, it's not because of the hurdles. It's not because of the problems. It's because of our eye focus. When we bring our eye focus off of Jesus and get it down here on the things and on the people and all the problems, it'll be tough. But we keep it on Jesus. Everything will be all right. My time is up. I want to give you the last thing that made Joshua a man who prophesied and preached and won victory. Number three, he was, he was a man of promise. He, went, he, he kept the promise of God. He kept the faith of God. God said, now Joshua, I don't want you meddling on those walls of Jericho. Don't do it your way, do it my way. You go up there and march around them one day, next day again, next day again, seventh day, march around them seven times, then blow your trumpets and they'll fall down. And when Joshua told the people that, he said, and now listen, I want to tell you something. Here's the way we're going to conquer Jericho. We're going to go up there and march around it today. We're going to do the same thing tomorrow, next day, the next day. The seventh day, we're going to go up there and march around seven days, and then we're going to blow our trumpets. And they, they stood there, uh-huh, and what are we going to do next? Uh-huh. What are we going to do next? Oh, that's it. That's it. Joshua, have you gone wacky? No, that's what God said to do. We're going to do what God said to do. And they did it, and the walls came down. And Joshua was a man of faith. He kept the promise of God. He, he went in and conquered Canaan the same way. And the Bible says he was one of those. 
in Hebrews 11 who looked for a city. He looked for a city whose builder and founder is God. And he found that city and he's there today by faith. And beloved, you can be too. You can be a man of victory. You can be a man of faith. You can be somebody God will use. But there'll have to be some priorities. There'll have to be a purpose. There'll have to be a keeping of God's promise in your own heart. Will you do it? It starts by giving your heart to Jesus. It starts by coming to the foot of the cross. It starts by the blood. It starts by coming and saying, Lord, I'm nothing. My personality is nothing. My, my gifts are nothing. My everything, nothing, I don't have anything. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. I need God. And when you come that way in surrender, and by faith you receive Jesus as Savior, that's the beginning. Just the beginning, but it's the beginning of a life of victory. May we pray. Father, thank you for this time to pray. Thank you for this time to study again the message from thy book that reminds us victory is ahead, but the victory is through the blood and through the faith, through believing the book. We pray thou wilt increase our faith today. Some who are battling all kinds of problems, depressions, hurts, oh God, help them, release them into the glorious energy of the Spirit. And Father, we pray that somebody here within the sound of our voice who has never been saved will open his heart to Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. May we stand, please. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come to thee. Will you come to him this morning as you are, just as I am without one plea? but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. I want to ask you to come. First of all, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, but you have not had opportunity to confess that openly, I want to ask you to come and present yourself as a new servant of God, a new Christian, and then to follow the Lord in baptism. Will you come? Just step on out. That's right. Come right on. And somebody else ought to come doing what God tells you to do while we begin to sing, will you come for Christ?